0: Well, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Amen? Do you like the decorations around here? We can thank uh, Janelle and Shauna and uh, the volunteers who helped put this together on Tuesday. In fact, some of them were working throughout the week uh, getting uh, office space uh Decorating things of that nature, but uh, it looks beautiful, and so we are um, ready for the Christmas season. Now, I have a question for you How many of you started playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Can I see your hands? Okay, before Thanksgiving. August, Allison says. (laughs) How many, uh, well I know where How Allison's gonna vote in this, but uh, how many started decorating before Thanksgiving? Okay, well a few, a few less, but uh, some of you are very excited about the Christmas season. Uh, how many have, dec- have decorated since Thanksgiving happened? Can I see your hands? Okay. That's a few more of you. Then how many have yet to decorate? Can I see your hands? <laughs> and these are the procrastinators. Okay. Well, you know, just um, just a little vulnerability, transparency, transparency on my part. I don't like decorating for Christmas. Um, that is, I am just not wired that way, but I am married to someone who loves to decorate for Christmas and enlist my support. And uh, so it, it, it's a struggle for me each year to be a living sacrifice to my wife in decorating for Christmas. And uh, yes, we are decorated for Christmas in our home. I think my mom scarred me when I was growing up as a child because uh, my mom loved to have tinsel on the tree. And I was not patient with the tinsel. I would just kind of blob it on there, and my mom would get frustrated with me, but that was just not something that I enjoyed, and that was, and she expected me to do that. So I'm going to blame it on my mom that uh, I don't like to decorate for for Christmas. But uh, it's always a challenge uh, each year. And, um, you know, my part in, in decorating especially was the tree as far as getting the tree in the house, getting the Christmas tree in the sand, getting the water in the tree, and putting on the lights. Well, I had to go with my wife to, sh- to find the perfect Christmas tree. And I can't tell you how many trees I had to unwrap and twirl before we found the perfect tree. And uh, you know, one—I mean, this finding a Christmas tree is a big deal to my wife. And uh, there was one year that she broke her ankle looking for a Christmas tree in uh, in the Home Depot. And uh so I thought I could convince her after that that we could get a fake tree. But we've always had a living Christmas tree. But... I have a word of praise this year my my wife caved, and we got an artificial tree this year and boy, is it wonderful yeah, but she 's not here this morning, but she heard me talking about this or she 's watching on Facebook right now she 's in tears as I talk about this, but uh, what a blessing it was to set this tree up with the lights already on it completely straight. I don't have to water this tree. I wake up every morning and just tap a little button and turn the lights on, and it is wonderful. So, yeah, a little transparency about myself and what's going on in the Logan household. But when it comes to Christmas, you know, uh, Christmas has been a controversial holiday for the church for about 17 and a half centuries. You know, the first two centuries, uh, for the, the, the Christian community, they didn't even recognize birthdays. They thought birthdays were a pagan holiday and especially for the martyrs of Christianity, they didn't want to recognize their earthly birthday. They wanted to recognize their homegoing birthday. And so for the first two centuries, even Jesus um, was never recognized as what his birth date might have been. It was in 221 um, A.D. that there was a date assigned to Jesus' birth date. We don't know when Jesus was born, but December 25th was the date that was selected. Now that was controversial too, because it was very close to a Roman pagan holiday. Winter solstice. Uh, Winter solstice came around December 21 or 22, and that was the longest day of darkness in the calendar year. And so, for the Romans in particular, uh, it was a pagan, idolatrous um, holiday full of sinfulness, full of debauchery, full of worldliness And then here comes the Christian Church that uh, Christianizes this uh, this holiday with the birth of Christ on December 25th and that was um, that was uh, very. Controversial. Uh, The church, Christians thought that uh, the church was hijacking a worldly holiday. Um, And for the winter solstice holiday, um, idolaters believed that. this day occurred because it was really kind of the, the death or the, the illness, the worst of the illness of the sun god. And then from here, the sun god was going to get stronger and healthier um, through the rest of the calendar year. And, um, and so um, in, in recognizing the winter solstice, uh, evergreen trees and plants uh, were really important to the pagans um, because it, it symbolized um, the the idea of um, keeping away the evil spirits because these plants were, were green or these trees were green all year long um, that they were going to be able to um, Um, you know, keep the evil spirits at bay. But here for the church, they Christianized uh, this pagan holiday. Now, as far as the evergreen and the Christmas tree, when did this become about uh, within the Christian tradition? It started in Germany. Around the 16th century, it wasn't described as the Christmas tree uh, in Germany. It was described as the uh, the paradise tree, and uh, they would take this evergreen tree, and they would decorate it with apples. And uh, it symbolized um, the Garden of Eden, and uh, the, the fall of man, and how man uh, rebelled against God, and the fact that man uh, stands in need of forgiveness for having disobeyed God. And so that's where the Christmas tree began, and then... Um, the first light that was associated with the Christmas tree. Now, we don't know if this is true or not, but Martin Luther one night was walking home and he looked up in the stars in the middle of the winter and he decided, you know what? Um, A candle would look would look good on a Christmas tree. And so he went home and he tied a candle to the Christmas tree, uh, symbolizing what he had experienced, uh, outdoors. Now, that's not something I would recommend any of you do, putting a candle on a Christmas tree, but, uh, that's how that, uh, idea, um, supposedly, uh, began. But, uh, and so, just talk about that for a little bit because, you know, we're in the time of preparation for Christmas. And uh, with that thought in mind, I want us to look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And uh, in Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at Zacharias' prophecy over his son, John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist prophesies that um, He will be the one that prepares the way for the coming Messiah, who is the true meaning of Christmas. It it is is who Jesus is. It is the true meaning. Christmas is all about Jesus. And if we miss the reason why Jesus came, we're going to miss Christmas. And it was John's mission, John the Baptist's purpose in life in preparing the way of the Messiah. So Luke chapter 1, Uh, We're going to look at verses 76 through 79 this morning, but just to set it up for a moment, um, two miracles, major miracles have occurred. Now, this is the first time that Israel has seen a miracle take place uh, for over 500 years. Probably the last miracle of the Old Testament was Daniel in the lion's den. And now here we are 500 plus years later and the next miracle has occurred. For 400 years, God has been silent. And this is the intertestament period between Malachi and Matthew. God did not speak a prophet for 400 years. But in Luke chapter 1, two miracles occur. The first is with Elizabeth and Zacharias. Um, Elizabeth and Zacharias, they, they are in the elder stages of life. They are Beyond the childbearing years, they had prayed their whole marriage um, existence for a child, but God never gave them a child. But here they are in beyond those years, and the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and he says, Your prayers have been answered. You are going to be, there is going to be a son born between you and Elizabeth. And that actually occurred. Um, And so this is what happens with uh, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and then almost six months later the angel Gabriel comes again. Comes to Mary and Joseph and says to Mary that uh, you are going to be the mother of the Messiah. Mary says, how can this be? I am a virgin. I don't know a man. And the angel Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you are going to conceive and give birth to the Savior of the world. Mary hears this message, goes to Elizabeth, uh, she doesn't know who to turn to uh, the same the same experience has happened to her hu- cousin Elizabeth um, in that conversation in that time with her for uh, especially in the very beginning when Elizabeth uh, sees uh, Mary. Uh, Elizabeth is pregnant. She's almost six months pregnant now. And when she sees Mary, John the Baptist leaps within the womb of, uh, Elizabeth. And she knew that, uh, something very special was inside Mary. She was in the presence of God through, um, through this baby who was growing within her womb. And so these are two miracles. Um, you know, when Zacharias was told that he was going to be a father, uh, he didn't believe it at the time. He was too old to be a father. God hadn't answered his prayer. And because he didn't believe, uh, the angel Gabriel made Zacharias deaf and mute. And he remained that way through the entire pregnancy of Elizabeth. And uh, af- eight days later, after... Uh, Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. Uh, the Bible says that Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, there was comm- commotion. They were uh, circumcising um, the baby. And uh, they thought that they were going to name the child Zacharias. Zachariah, And uh, that was not to be his name. His name was to be John. And, uh, through that commotion, when Zachariah couldn't speak, all of a sudden, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he blurted out, His name is to be John. So that's what has transpired in Luke chapter 1. And full of the Holy Spirit, uh, Zacharias has, um, um John, his, his infant, Son John in his arms, and he speaks prophecy over this child. He praises God for what God is doing in this situation, and in, then in verse seventy-six, John or Zechariah says this: "And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High." For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank You for this beautiful prophecy, this beautiful song that this Father sang over His Son because, Lord, He believed You. He believed Your promises. It took some time, he suffered the consequences because he didn't. But God, he saw your hand, your fingerprints, friends, all over his and his wife's life. And God, you provided a beautiful little baby in John the Baptist. And Lord, I, I pray that you would visit us this morning, that you would encourage uh, those here in this place, for some, Christmas is hard. Things have transpired in their life that they didn't anticipate. But God, you're, God, here. you're here, and you have and you have a message, message for each one. for each one. So Lord, so Lord, speak, speak truth. truth. We, pray. we pray. In Jesus', in Jesus name. Amen. John the Baptist was born to prepare the way for the Messiah. To prepare hearts, the Bible says, um, for the Lord Jesus. Question to you. In preparing for Christmas does it distract you from the true meaning and message of Christmas? Or does the season of preparation and the season of celebration really draw you into the true meaning of Christmas? It's my prayer that your heart is prepared and that you're not stressed out and that you're not looking at yourself circumstances and seeing what's not, but that you see who God is and that he's here for every one of us this morning. Every one of you who are watching the service online this morning, John the Baptist was born to prepare the way for the Messiah and we need to be prepared for Christ, for Christmas, and what Christ wants to do in all of our lives. How do we prepare for Christmas? Number one, you need to see your need for salvation and forgiveness and appreciate what God has done in your life. We never get beyond that, friend. We always stand in need of forgiveness. We always must be grateful for the grace of God in our life. Look at verse 77. What is John to do? to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. That's what the Messiah is coming to do. That's what the Messiah came to do. Here we see in these few verses this these few words in the song the the gospel story jesus came to save sinners jesus came to save each and every one of us and we need to appreciate that we never get beyond that need and that is what the true meaning Of Christmas is all about. Jesus' name means the God who saves, the God who delivers. It's the combination of um, two words. Uh, Yeshua is the combination of two words. First part, Yah, is um, short for Yahweh, He's God. And then Yeshua, uh, the second part, is means rescue, deliver, or save. Jesus' name is Yeshua. The God who saves. The God who delivers. And so if we're going to be prepared for Christmas, my friend, we need to know remind ourselves of its true meaning. Jesus came to forgive sin. Jesus came to save people. And it's only Jesus that can do that. You can't earn your own salvation. It's not by the amount of good things that you do. God doesn't have some heavenly scale that when you die and go go to be in his presence and you're wondering whether you're going to be in or out of heaven. God doesn't have a scale and he doesn't put all your good good things on one side of the scale and all your bad things on the other side of the scale and whatever's heavier determines whether you're in and out. No, that's not the way God works. The whole story of the Bible is all about what only God can do. God is the God of the impossible. We see it in the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth. We see it in the life of Mary and Joseph. He's the God of miracles. He is the God of salvation. And it's it's only by His grace that you and I can be saved. And we must believe who Jesus says that He is. And so my question to you this morning is, have you received the gift, the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. If you believe in who Jesus says He is, believe that He died for your sin, you stand in need of forgiveness. You ask Him to forgive you. You surrender your life to Him. You're in. You're called a child of God. Have you made that decision? Have you gone public with that decision? We go public with that decision through the waters of baptism. If you've never publicly declared your faith in Christ and what He's done in your life. You know what? It doesn't save you, but you're not living in obedience. God doesn't want us to be ashamed of the name of Christ, of what He's done in our life. I want to encourage you this morning. If you've never publicly declared your faith in Him through the waters of baptism, that you do that. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, stop just listening to sermons and thinking to yourself, well, that was a good sermon or that was a poor sermon. And it, it, you don't do anything with it. You don't apply it to your life. Here's the application to this morning, friends. If you're here without Christ, my prayer for you this morning is may today be the day of your salvation. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? That's the whole meaning of Christmas. That's how we prepare for Christmas. In knowing He came to save. In knowing that He came to forgive. And then secondly, why did God do it this way? Why did Jesus come? Verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God. My friend, we serve a tender, merciful God. Through the Christmas story, through his coming, he is showing us his tender mercy to save and forgive. When God came as a baby, he wasn't born in the Sheraton Inn, he was born in the Shepherd's Inn. He came to the lowest of the low. Glory to God in the lowest. Where have I heard that before? I want to encourage you to come this Friday night and support our children's choir. Because it's all about the glory of God. Jesus came as our tender, merciful Savior. We haven't sang in a long time. But I grew up. Um, I grew up in the church singing the song, especially at Songs of Imitation. You know it. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals he's waiting and watching, watching, oh sinner, come home, come home, come home. You are weary, come home. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling Calling for you And for me That's our God That's our tender and merciful God how do we experience His tenderful mercies? Well, Mary, the mother of Jesus, in her prayer in Luke chapter one, said, "His mercy is for those who fear Him." My friend, fear Him. He is the God who is going to judge one day. But right now, He is the God who has come to save and to rescue you from the wrath of God that is directed toward those who reject Him. He's the tenderful and merciful High priest. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says Now, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angel he helps, but the descendants of Abraham. For this reason, he is made like he, is, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, in order to make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Our tender, merciful God had to become one of us, go through everything in all seasons, all stages of life that you and I go through so that He might be that merciful High Priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Our God knows you. What you're facing because He's been through it Himself. He is tender. I like what the Bible says. He was made to be... He he had to be made like His brothers in every way. Yet without sin. But... You know, I even I love the baby stage. I've got I've got a picture of my, my uh, grandson Fisher. I want to show you right now. I don't know if you can blow that up or make it bigger, but uh, you know, when when I see his face, I see a tender God. God came as a baby, and He was very much God. As a baby. But just know that God is tender. What's your image of God? You can take that down. I don't want him to be a distraction. I could look at that picture all day. My friend, what's your image of God right now? Is he distant? Is he all together? other, transcendent. He is that. But he all, he's also up close and personal. That's why they named him Emmanuel. God with us. But who's God to you? How do you see God this morning? Is he uninvolved in your life? He much, very much wants to be involved in your life. Do you see him as a harsh judge? He's the tender, merciful God that you, he, he wants you to know this Christmas season. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's who God wants to be in your life. Your Abba, Father. Your Daddy. And there's sometimes in our life where we just need to throw up our arms and say, Daddy, humble ourselves like a child say, Daddy, hold me. I love that stage of my grandchildren and my children. Uh, They're long beyond that now, except for the babies. But you know, they'll they'll walk up to me, the babies, and they'll hold my leg and they'll pick up, uh, they'll raise their arms, and they that's their communication to me that they want to be held. You know what? I love that. You know what? God loves that when we cry out to Him, Abba, Father. Because He is that tender, merciful God. Do you see Him like that this morning? God wants us to see Him like that. He's tender, and He's merciful, and with this truth, number three, you in preparing our hearts for Christmas, we need to allow His light to shine on us, to shine on you. Look at verses 78 and 79. "...because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness..." and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of life, of peace. Jesus is the sunrise of verse 78. If you have a King James Bible, he is the day spring. But this is the metaphor For a for the promised Messiah, this was prophesied in the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter four, verse two. The last prophet to speak before um, the four hundred years of silence. The Bible, Malachi says this. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, not S O N but S U N. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings and you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. The tender mercies of God. His sunshine, His presence wants to shine on your situation. He wants to bring that light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. What's your Christmas season like right now? You know, there's we go through all different kinds of seasons, don't we? Yeah. I love... Um, the early years of marriage, marriage relationship, when we start having children, you start having children and you experience a Christmas through the eyes of children and you establish those traditions and your children grow older and, and uh, they find spouses and um, and you're able to share in those Christmas experiences together, and then your children have children, and uh, Christmas is really special. And those are those are great times of celebration. But it doesn't always stay that way, you know. Oftentimes, our children grow up, and they move move away. Have their own families start their own traditions, and now we're we resort to FaceTime uh Christmases. Um, you know, my wife's having a really hard time this year with her son Kyle and, and uh, Chelsea being up in Washington and, and being so far from um, our, our seventh grandchild Fisher, and in fact, um, she was over the moon excited about going uh, this last Wednesday to fly up to Washington and spend uh, a few days with uh, them and, and hold Fisher for the very first time. And um, Wednesday she got on a plane, dropped her off at Las Vegas Airport at eight o'clock. It was going to take you know two two and a half hours before she would board the plane and so I headed back uh, home. Five minutes before the plane was to take off, Kyle calls. Susan answers and says, Mom, I've got COVID. (laughs) And she had to deboard the plane. Susan calls me, and I have to... I'm 120 miles down the road, and I have to turn around... Go and get her. When I get back to the Las Vegas airport, guess what? The luggage is still on the airplane, and that we had to wait for that luggage to make a, a round trip to Las Vegas before we could head back to Ridgecrest. So at 6:30 that night, she picked up her suitcase, and we headed back home. But she was so disappointed. You know, this is one of the seasons of life that families go through. And um, and those seasons are hard. But then they get harder, don't they? We'll lose a loved one. And the loss of that loved one, we don't know if we can continue. And Some of you this morning are sitting in the shadow of Of death. But I want you to know this morning that our tender, merciful Savior, our sunshine, our sunrise has come, is here to shine light on your difficult season of life. The Bible says He will never leave you or forsake you. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to allow His light to shine brightly on your situation. And He understands every tear. Even allowing to share His light, to to, uh, shine His light... There's emotions. Praise God, our God counts every tear. And He understands every emotion because He is our tender, merciful High Priest. That's our God. And for those who are without Jesus, you've not repented of your sin. You've not asked God to forgive, forgive for forgiveness you're not sitting in the shadow of death. The Bible says you're sitting in darkness hopelessness, no spiritual sight whatsoever and it's never going to change until you come into a living relationship with Jesus Christ through faith and believe who Jesus is and the darkness will go away and you'll be able to walk the path of peace verse 79 he will guide your feet into the way of peace are you prepared for Christmas Do you know why Jesus came? If you're here this morning and you've never made that decision, may today be the day of your salvation. You need Christ. We all need Christ. We all need forgiveness. And that never goes away. Call upon Him. Surrender your life to Him. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to come home. You know, in just a minute, we're going to sing the song, No Longer Slaves. This could be your testimony this morning. Your song to repent of your sin and turn to Christ. And for others... You're not sitting in darkness, but you're sitting in the shadow of death. And God knows. And God is there for you. And as we sing this song, I want to encourage you that this, as you sing, that this be a declaration of your faith, of who you know Jesus to be in your life in spite of how difficult it is in this Christmas season. This was Zacharias' song to his son. Prophecy. The gospel story. And this is how, my friends, we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Let Jesus be that sunrise. Let Jesus be the son of righteousness in your life. It'll be the greatest Christmas you will have ever experienced. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, thank You for being the tenderful, merciful God who saves. Even right here and right now. If that's what you need to do, ask God to forgive you of your sin. Tell Jesus right now in your heart, I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sin. I believe that three days later you came back from the grave. You conquered sin and death. Lord, save me. That's your prayer Bible says he's, he hears that prayer. And you're his child now. You're not just his creation, but you are a child of God because of Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. And by fearing you, we experience your tender mercy. My friend, he's shining his light on you this morning. Respond to him. Experience him this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.